0: And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall and Ryan Brath are here. RB's riding shotgun. No gene, no serial killer. That's okay. We got a lot to talk about. But always, RB,
1: how we doing? We're good. I've been uh, you know, enjoying the equipment space. Other than like boxes of new stuff coming in, I've also got a, like, a ton of like old stuff that's been showing up, uh, which has been a lot of fun. I think we've been posting some of the stuff on, uh, on social, sharing it as I go along. Uh, just wanting to do a... Uh, you know, finally, I'd say I'm at a point in my life where I, uh, I want to bring back some of those high school or just uh, post high school golf clubs. And, you know, there's a lot of places you can buy them online. They're not overly expensive. And I uh, finally put together most of my bag or the bag that I wanted when I was like a 15 year old kid and just could no way afford what they, what they were at the time. I, I
0: love this. And I have I, heard of other golfers doing this in the past where they've built old high school setups. Or clubs that they wanted growing up that maybe they couldn't afford and this setup that you're building hit me right in the nostalgia button it was like i'm just hitting it i'm like oh yeah i love i've I had this one i had that one i always wanted that one so we'll, we'll get into that but yeah it's it's been a, a busy early part of the week i'm tired but you should, you should tell us why you're me. tired
1: we just get right to it john and we don't need yeah. you don't need to pitter powder around it yeah, we know, know we've seen know. some some people that might have seen it on social. <laughs> you should get to it because you've had a you've had a busy week already, right? I've it's had like a very the, busy the Liz, week. It's the Liz Lemon meme from uh 30 Rock. Oh man, yeah. what a week. It's only exactly, Wednesday. Exactly. And
0: only Wednesday. Exactly. Yeah. I am I'm running on fumes, but nobody feels sorry for me. Yeah. So if you don't follow me on social. You can go check out my Instagram. I did post it on my Instagram story. It'll probably be there. And it may not be there tomorrow when this podcast comes out. So hopefully you get a chance to see it. But I did get an opportunity to play Cypress Point. I got a last minute invite. And I got to say, if you get an invite to play Cypress, which is, in my opinion, the number one golf course in the world, and and I'll tell you why here in just a second, but you got to go. Short of a wedding or something that you can't move, make it happen. And, and I'm so glad that I did. So I, I got an invite about a week ago. Cyprus was my number one bucket list course. RB was actually with me. We were out in Carlsbad with some colleagues, and we were just talking about golf courses that we wanted to play. And I mentioned Cyprus being number one on the bucket list. And lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, I got an invite out there. So I, I played Cyprus, checked it off the list. I've now had the privilege of playing Cyprus and Augusta and in Pine Valley. And I got to say, after playing Cyprus, it's my number one. You know, Augusta was cool because of when I played it. In 2019, I played it the day after Tiger won the Masters, and I don't think it gets much cooler than that. Um, Pine Valley just bludgeons you to death. I, I shot 82 that day, and I, I felt like I shot 74, 75. You, just, you feel like you got to be perfect around there. It's so difficult, especially when you're playing. I played it back that day, and... Probably wish I would have maybe as RB has talked about in the past, maybe played it up a couple of boxes and had some more fun. Never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, it never hurts. Especially after that round, I was just, I was just mentally beat. Um, but Cyprus has so much history. You know, it, it's it's a, a course that was that was uh, they started play in twenty eight. I believe it was it was founded in twenty six. But um, did did you ever read the match the book? The match.
1: I've never read it. No, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard so much about the book, but I've never actually like dove into it. Um, I I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, always been like an article guy when it comes to reading stuff, but the old, the old golf books is something that like, I've never really gotten into. I've gotten into some new ones. Like, uh, Jim Hartzell wrote the, the history of of Sweetens cove, which I'm like a big fan of that golf course anyways. Uh, but I know that the matches is is like, I'm assuming, yeah, I want you to synopsis here because I know I know that it's a it's it was the match between like four amateurs, right? Didn't someone put up the money or something? Well, so it was in it was in the
0: the mid fifties, and uh, Ken Venturi and Harvey Ward. Harvey Ward is probably the name that that a lot of golfers or people listening to the pod don't know. He was the the reigning US Amateur champion at the time, and Venturi and Ward challenged Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson to a match. And the match was played at Cypress Point. And I, I don't want to give too much away, but the, the book is fantastic. And, and it does talk a lot about the golf course. And I was talking to a couple of the guys I was playing with. And they said, yeah, some of the stuff in the book was a little bit embellished. But there is a lot of accuracy in it. And you read this book and it's like you look at the photos of Cypress. And it just makes you want to play the golf course even more. Because you're walking around the place and you, you think about it. And it's like I'm walking in the footsteps of of Hogan and Nelson, and, and you know this—I this, mean—a very historic match that was played there, and again, a very historic golf course. But it—it's the thing that I loved the most about Cyprus is one, it, it felt very unpretentious, and I was a little bit worried about that going in because it's—it is Cyprus Point, it is the number one golf course in the world. You, you wonder how, what it's going to be like, but everybody there just loves golf. Everybody was so friendly. You know there is there is no driving range unless you're a member or you're staying with a member, and that little range is is little. So you're not you're not you know banging drivers and and going to town for for long range sessions. We actually warmed up over at Spyglass, which is just a stone's throw away from from Cyprus, which is actually pretty cool that you have all these great golf courses right there in the Monterey Peninsula. I mean they're they're very close to each other, but Cyprus has this rare blend of of difficult holes and very gettable holes. Like the, the second hole was playing into a south wind that day, which I was told was the opposite of how it normally plays. It usually plays downwind. It was like 580, and I think I had like 325 in with my second shot. And I actually hit a pretty decent drive off the tee. And it's like, "Oh, man, this is going to be tough." But then you get you you start playing and just before you make the turn, there are a couple of short par 4s and one of them's blind and you're hitting over this giant, you know, sand dune waste area and you got to carry it at least 240, but if, you, if you've if you got some balls and you want to take a chance, you can cut it up the right and go towards the green. The next hole is, is again, another short gettable par four if you want to take driver, but it's all right in front of you, and it kind of goes to a green that just kind of rises up. And, you know, it, it keeps you engaged for the whole round, but not in a way like Pine Valley, in my opinion, where it's like you're sort of holding on for dear life. It, like Cypress gives you opportunities to score, but it also punishes you when you, when you make a poor swing and it has one of the best finishes I've ever seen in my entire life. 15, 16, 17, 18 is kind of a quirky par four. I think it was Gary player who once said, um, Cyprus has the, uh, Cyprus has the greatest 17 holes in golf, but, player actually did not like, it's just, it's kind of like, there's some, there's a bunch of trees out there. It's kind of a quirky hole back up the hill. You really don't know where to go off the tee with, uh, with it, but yeah, 15 short par three going to 16, which is, um, the one that everybody knows Two forty carry across the chasm to this giant green. And then 17, which I think is like the sneakiest best hole out there. And it's just a long par four that goes right along the cliff. And I like absolutely nutted a drive down the right and caught this little speed slot. And I think I had about a hundred yards in with my next shot, but you can run it up the left and have a longer shot in. It's just, you have so many different angles and opportunities there, which I loved. Uh, We played it on, on what one of the guys I was playing with called, Arguably the best day you'd ever seen for a December day—just blue skies, Chamber of Commerce Day, as they called it in the Monterey Peninsula. But yeah, it was a very special day. Totally lived up to the hype, and I played okay. I just don't get a chance. You know, it's kind of like you, where it's we don't get a chance to play that much because we've got we have kids, and we also have jobs that require us to, to write and also do other stuff. But I, I played halfway decent and just again had a fun time, but it, but the company was as good as the golf. Which, when you're playing a course like that, I think that really makes it a memorable experience. Is when you enjoy the walk as much as the golf.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I was lucky to go do Pinehurst uh, last. I guess, yeah, last year on this this time, and uh, maybe a little earlier, but either way, I think I was like October, November, nice weather, <clears throat> and the fun thing was I was there with. People I worked with, but I was the one like recording content. I wasn't playing, but I got to like hang out on Piners number no. two and hang out on Piners number no. four. And like seeing Piners number no. two and like watching a scratch player play it and watching a 15 handicap play it uh, was really, in- I mean, I did play golf while I was down there, but to like witness other people do it and like again experience the golf course, but not be like upset because I shot a certain score was, I mean, I'd love to play it at some point, but it was just, it was an interesting way to experience like a, 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 top golf course. And I can imagine again, the, the company that I had just hanging out with the, the other four people playing golf was just as much fun and with the caddies. So, um, you know, it does come down to that like experience level. And you know, a lot of those things like you say is last minute, but a lot of this stuff is last minute because a lot of the members aren't like locals, right? Like, they're not like, Oh, we'll, we'll plan out a month in advance. It's like, Oh no, I got a meeting come up and I'll fly over there. Not saying that most people aren't flying around in private jets or not, but, um, most are like, yeah, most are, uh, it's same with like Augusta, right? Augusta was the, uh, was just a place where people from like Philadelphia and New York and people from Atlanta who like, you know, started bottling companies for Coca-Cola <laughs> wanted to, wanted to hang out in the wintertime. So, um, that to me is, is what makes those places cool. Cause in a lot of cases they're not pretentious. Like I think the real golf clubs are golf clubs, right? Like the coolest places are, are places that like are welcoming to guests. And I think, Anytime I've ever heard of like a lot of places again, like Cyprus, or I wouldn't say Gus is necessarily like, the, like people feel kind of a little like cagey there. I think, um, depending on who you are, but, um, a lot of those, those cool invites are always really fun and they do bring back memories where you're, you know, you're walking in places where people have played. And I think that's like, that to me is like the coolest thing, just in golf in general, right? Like you can go to this, the, the first tee at St. Andrews, be like Bobby Jones, you up from the same place here. Right. Like all of those things that like bring into different elements of like the game, you don't get in other sports. Now you do get in baseball. Baseball does have like a lot of nostalgia when it comes to like Fenway sure. or like the old Yankee Stadium. Uh, but like, you know, the old Blue Jay Stadium in the 80s is just like some car park now. Right? Like no one cares. But you have these, these, this golf. That's what makes it, to me. That's why I love golf because golf is so unique is that you can go play on these same places. You can play from different tees. You can play with different equipment if you want to, you can go play with old persimmon equipment. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but exactly. Be, and that's the best be thing to...
0: about golf is, is the history of the history of the game and how yeah. it just continues on.
1: So, but no, and like, I think, you know, again, I think, I just think that's one of the coolest things about the game and to be able to enjoy it, whether when we're talking about history of old clubs or, or new clubs. Right. And I mean, I think you, you were, you just, you pointed out before we got on the call that I, I had a bit of a take there on, uh, on some new clubs that came out recently this week that I think we had a pretty good laugh about. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. But before we get back to the rest of the show, I have to let you know about Soto and their MLM, which is the mobile launch monitor. It's the number one rated personal launch monitor on the market today. Now the MLM features incredibly precise measurements, remarkable accuracy, data rich visuals, and an all new performance combine. The MLM is the mobile launch monitor if you are someone who wants to improve your golf game, get better, and also, for you equipment junkies out there, it's a great way to compare golf clubs side-by-side. Now, how it works is it pairs Doppler radar with the iPhone or iPad camera that you already have, and what it does is it allows you to track every golf ball with incredible accuracy. Along with just shot tracing, tra- shot tracing, I should say, um, what it does is it creates visual charts about where the golf ball is as far as consistency and dispersion goes. So you always see those little ring patterns out on the range. This gives you that information so you can better understand where you're really good, also where your game might need a little bit of improvement. Now let's talk about those performance combines real quick. They are part of the premium package and they are available to through the premium subscription. And what it does is it gives you a 24 shot test at two different targets, including your driver to identify the biggest weaknesses. Don't forget, you got strengths in your game too, to help you know where you need to work to improve. Now the combine was co-developed with Dr. Sasha McKenzie, Canadian mind you. Uh, and what it does is it uses um, shots from over 100,000 shots from the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour, and brings all of this data together to help you understand where you are relative to your handicap, so you know where to improve. As part again, as part of your entire package of understanding how to work on your game, this gives you that. Now, right now, if you are looking at the soto, you get the entire unit is $150 off, and you save a total of $100 $80 when you bundle the pa- the actual unit, the MLM, with the premium subscription package, which gives you access to the combines and gives you access to all of those extra features that allow you to use it and you know work on your game just a little bit more and get a little bit more data out of this tiny little thing that fits in basically a little pocket the size of your rangefinder. So again, if you are someone who wants to work on your game wants to have data that is available to you that is the same thing that you would get out of Launch Mars that would cost a whole heck of a lot more, check out the MLM today. Save $150 on the unit or $180 total when you combine the unit with the premium subscription. All right, now let's get back to fully equipped.
0: Yeah, well, let's. Get, I mean, let's get into it because there are a couple of gear stories. I do want to discuss your old bag setup, but we had... Uh, TaylorMade's new P-Series lineup just hit, I mean, I shouldn't say it's, it's it hasn't hit retail shelves yet, but it's, the embargo has been lifted. Everybody's seen the photos. You had a chance to hit them. We've got video content up on golf.com of the new irons and with, with Matt Bowie from TaylorMade. But one of the things that you said really stuck out to me, which is, and I, I feel like this is like a, a regular thing for us where golfers will say, hey, when is when is X product coming out? Fill in the blank. Like when is the next version of TaylorMade's Piece series irons coming out? And then when it comes out, RB, what do you hear? Because I hear the same thing. Oh, it's like, oh, it, it, it kind of looks
1: like the last one. It's like, well, yeah, it's kind of the point. Like It's always like, you know, yeah. if you look at a right? First time using a car analogy today, but if you look at a Ferrari, a Ferrari looks like a Ferrari, right? Like a, a, a Honda Civic looks like a Honda Civic, like you can see one go by and go, that's a Honda Civic. You can see one f- further away and know what it is, right? Like the, the headlights on a Jeep make it look like a freaking Jeep. Like that's the whole point, right? And so when it comes to this, like people want, people want new, but then they also, they will reject like, again, car analogy. Let's put square headlights on a Jeep. People were like furious when they did that at one point. I can't remember what model it was, but they were like, "Why are you putting square headlights on a Jeep? They're supposed to be round. They've always been round and had this like vertical grill, right? Like you can see what a Jeep looks like in the dark, basically. And with the with the irons, yeah, they didn't change a lot aesthetically. Like there is a lot like from play playability, like thinner soles and uh, shorter blade lengths and all of those things. But it's a forged iron right? Like it is a Ford single piece iron. There's not a lot of technology. I literally wrote that in the piece. I was like the piece I wrote for golf.com was like technology. There's nothing here. <laughs> like the technologies yeah. in the manufacturing and the tolerances that is better than, you know, that they've done in the past. And that's what we see from like history kind of coming into this, right? Like you're getting better processes to make better components and make better golf clubs. But when companies go outside of the line, people get really pissed off and if you look historically at it again, every blade looked like a like a like a heel-shafted mallet or a bullseye until the answer came along and everyone thought it was ugly. And now the answer is the gold standard of what a putter. If you're a putter maker, you need to have some type of answer model from Ping. And the, the like a modern example of this would be like the the Maverick. The Maverick driver came out and it was orange. And the first pictures leaked and everyone was like orange driver. This is stupid. This is the, why would Cali do this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen? And then everyone forgets about it in two weeks and they all like it. <laughs> like it's you these companies can't win, right? And I remember I was I was looking online and looking at comments. I'm looking at stuff come up on Instagram and wherever. And the first thing someone says is like, oh, they look like the old ones. I I don't really think that there's a big like they're better. And I'm like, first of all, there are better, but like it's a progression. It's not. They're not going from a again. I'm not a shoe guy, so you're probably going to kill this analogy. But like, it's not like you go from like the Jordan like the the ones to like the fours or the eighteens or something, right? Like, the the goal is not to like transcend like within history. The goal is to like create small progression because they're designed to fit a certain mold, literally. So like, they've done a really good job. I think the irons look fantastic. You have the seven seventy, which is has a ton of tech packed into that tiny little package. And then I had people who were hitting me up on like Instagram. I did like a QA. and a like, oh, but they don't have like a 760 in there anymore. Like, guys, the 760 was five years ago. Okay. If it was so good, people would still use it. All right. Like, get over it. <laughs> and if you really want to combo a set that's like partially hollow and partially forged, build your own combo set. Like,
0: yeah. There's, I, I mean, there's- I, I've come to the realization <clears throat> that equipment companies cannot win. Like you're always gonna have somebody who's not gonna like what you're what you're bringing out, and if you if you push the limits like you said with Maverick with the color, I think about TaylorMade with with R one when they had when they had the white crown. You know that's another one where it's like, you know it's it's so markedly different. People were going, oh, this is terrible. I'll never buy a white driver. And it felt like the same way with TaylorMade when they, you know, TaylorMade's usually been one of the companies. Again, here's a trend: they've usually pushed the limits with with colors and technology. And you look at like the Red Spider. People w- were saying, oh, "I'd never use a red putter," and that was arguably one of the most prolific putters to ever hit the PGA Tour. I mean, and then it did gangbusters when it came to retail. So yeah, you know, and
1: the people, two ball. Right, like yeah, the people, two the two ball. ball was great, and then, yep. the, then the, to your point, like the spider came out and it was like, "This thing is ugly, it's terrible." And now every company has, if you look at like four models that have like defined putters, you have got like the blade, the bullseye, well, not four. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna expand the list now. Like blade, bullseye, answer, uh, the like the the zebra putter or the Rossi mallet, and then you have the the two ball and the spider. And there's your like, or the winged. You could you could kind of reluctantly throw in the wing back mallet. But like those are the putter styles that define what a company does and they all kind of work within it. Right. But like anything new, which all of those were new at one point, someone said that's ugly and I'm never going to use it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think those are the designs that have defined the equipment industry are the ones that are so polarizing because a lot, not a lot of them, but some of them have gone on to be some of the most successful designs in the history of the industry, and sometimes you just have to take a chance. Uh, you know these P7 MCs and the P7 MBs. You know they're they're not irons. Where TaylorMade is taking a chance, they're making subtle refinements to those profiles, a little bit of changes to the cosmetics. But again, th- these are for the better players, guys like Colin Morikawa, who put the new irons in play. He has the P7 MCs that we talked about last week on the podcast. Those are the MC four you know, those are those are the Morikawa irons or the CMs, I guess, is what they are because they would be MBs, but they're CMs for Colin Morikawa. But he has these irons and then he actually talks about them and he he said, you know, on, he, he talked about on hole 16 because he played them at hero. He said, I hit a seven iron. It's usually um, kind of off tighter conditions where it's a little bit matted down in the P730s that he was using previously. He said, what I use, I'd probably catch it a little bit thin. And he said, with these new irons, he gets better turf interaction and he's able to catch it a bit more center face. So we're talking about minor improvements, but for a guy like a who's one of the elite ball strikers, these little minor improvements to the bounce and the the sole width on these irons, like this is what this is what a guy like a wants. He wants subtle improvements, not wholesale improvements because he already likes the irons. He's won majors with the irons. He just wants something that maybe allows him to hit it out of the center a bit more. But again, going back to the whole thing about golfers complaining about profiles and looks, and you know, it, it still looks like the last one. Yeah, you know, are are you going to see if you play the the MCs right now, or or an MB from TaylorMade? Are you going to see a major improvement in these? I mean, probably not. But there's not a whole lot you can do with these solid construction profiles. I mean, if you really want to try something that is going to give you a bit more ball speed, you know, go to the new P770. I mean, the, the, those, those P770s are great irons, but they still offer a very small profile, in my opinion. I mean, it still feels like more of a better player iron, but it, but it does have the, the, um, the speed air the foam that goes in the inside of the cavity, you know, that's, that's where these irons differentiate themselves from an MC or an MB. But if you were to set them down next to each other, you know, it, I'm talking more to like comparing a, a, a 770 to a MC. There's not a, like a major difference in offset and in, in the toe profile, still pretty compact. So you can play a full set of those and not feel like you're having to sacrifice profile for forgiveness or ball speed. No, I think
1: it's, no, I think it's a good, it's a good point. And like, you know, the one thing that I talked about and I I got questions about it from when I started, when I posted pictures online and everything is like, where do I combo? Where do I combo? And just like a little, little piece of advice here for people and take this little nugget because it's a great, when you're in a fitting or you're looking at irons, you're looking to test something out here is if you're wondering where to combo your set of golf clubs at, look at ball speed. Do not worry about loft. Do not worry about spin. Look at ball speed that's going to factor into carry distance as well because what that's going to do is you want roughly 4 to 5 uh, ball like miles per hour of separation in the ball speed of the irons to get the distance separation and once you have that that's where you look at comboing so if you are you know you're say you're 2 miles an hour faster and you've got lofts like in a 5 and a 6 iron you're not quite getting there that's where you could go to a stronger lofted iron with a lower center of gravity like a 770 and all of a sudden you're getting the higher launch you're getting more ball speed because it's got a little bit. It's got more flex in the face. It also has a little bit less loft, but you're still getting the launch and the spin. And then you get those those distance gapping between the clubs in the set, so you don't have this bunching in your bag. That's what I experienced during my fitting. That's what I've always talked about when people are looking at the comboing. And if you are looking to blend these sets, that is the way to do it. Or you're blending any set, use that as a rule of thumb because you're going to be huge, like way more successful building and blending and gapping your set. If you go by ball speed and distance versus just saying, I need the distance separation because you might find that actually changing that golf club in that next step is going to be the thing that's going to make it more successful.
0: Yeah. I love all those points. All right. So we have a match this week and it's the match between Justin Thomas. It's and big Jordan speed. Yeah. Versus Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods, a little bit of star power in this match. And there is going to be, we can actually confirm this here on Fully Equipped, we'll call it an exclusive, because I don't really know who else is who else is going to be reporting on this first, like we are. Tiger Woods is going to be changing golf balls for the match. This is interesting because if you go back to when Tiger switched to the Nike ball back in back in the early 2000s, he was still playing. I mean, it was it was he was going from Ballada. To a solid construction ball, and it, you know one of the things that Tiger's always talked about is he's very old school in in how he chooses to build his equipment setup. His lofts, compared to a lot of the modern day lofts, are very weak. And he's always played a spinnier golf ball because he likes to work the ball both directions. He is old school, and I think that's what makes him one of the greatest. Is he doesn't doesn't conform to his equipment. And he certainly doesn't chase distance. But in a match like this, Tiger's going to put in a different golf ball RB. So he's been playing Bridgestone's Tour B XS. Now, the XS was designed with Tiger's input. And that ball is going to be the the spinnier of the two golf balls. There's also an X version that's going to be a little bit on the lower spin side for those faster players, but for a guy like tiger in a match, he's, he's prioritizing distance over, over, you know, the feel that he's going to get around the green. So I was told that, that tiger started to test the, the X ball at, at hero kind of off, off on his own. And he really liked the way that it flighted through the wind, but he also noticed that he was picking up almost 10 yards additional distance so that's pretty much like one less club in and tiger tiger admitted it when he was at hero he didn't play in the event because he's still battling some injuries he mentioned that um that he's you know he had some he had some injuries that required surgery he wouldn't go into detail on on what that was from earlier in the year but you know, Tiger's getting up there in age now for a guy who's who's had a lot of different surgeries and and a lot of a lot of challenges to get back on the golf course. So, I don't see anything wrong with Tiger using a golf ball like this to try and get some more distance, but you know tiger being tiger and having used a a spinnier golf ball for for pretty much the last 20 years because the nike golf ball for people that don't know was made by bridgestone nike golf balls were made by bridgestone so he's pretty much been playing the same composition in that golf ball for for pretty much two decades and now he's gonna go to a a you know a ball that's gonna prioritize distance it's an interesting play And I think you'll see him play it at the match. I'm pretty sure you'll see him play it with Charlie at PNC. And then you would wonder, well, what happens if Tiger tees it up at Augusta? Well, I was told that there's a pretty good chance if he does tee it up at Augusta in 23, he'll probably go back to the Xs. So he likes the X, but it's more for the silly season matches and trying to get a bit more distance and prioritizing that over spin. But it's still an interesting side story. Considering it's Tiger, you know, that's one of those that, you know, anything Tiger does when it comes to changing gear from his putter grip to his driver's shaft to, you know, the golf ball. Anytime Tiger
1: makes a gear change, golfers want to know about it. I always remember the, uh, you know, like when he does the, he used to do the clinics for like his charity or whatever. And you'd always get like these weird, like terrible phone clips from like them because none of it was like really supposed to be shot. It was kind of like he was off more off the cuff. And someone asked him one time. It was like, "How do you uh, how do you how do you gain distance? How would you tell someone to gain distance?" And he was just like, uh, "Go to go to your golf store and grab a two piece golf ball and, and swing harder." <laughs> and then it was like, "You'll pick up ten yards, right?" So you know, I think it's it's kind of one of those funny things where you can make that equipment change. And we've seen it with Ballnamic, which is the program the Ping has, which is so cool. Where like, depending on the conditions, depending on where you play, there is a lot to be gained by changing your golf ball. And that's what we always talk about start from the green back is title. is always like motto, but again, with Bridgestone, they, they, their whole thing with a lot of times is like prioritizing ball speed and compression and all those different elements off the tee for tiger to do want to do that, to gain that distance. I think it's really cool. And it just goes to show right. Small tweaks can really help your game. Just like, you know, talking about loft and gapping and all these different things, all these little nuggets that we always try and share. The whole goal is that you can go out and try them because you know, it's, we're not asking you to wholesale change your golf bag. You know, go try a sleeve of golf balls and see what happens.
0: Yeah, and exactly. And one of the things that Bridgestone pointed out is when you are changing, you know, golf balls, or if you're considering a change to golf balls, you have to look at it as, as, all right, what is that going to do if I change golf balls? Do I have the right driver shaft for this ball? You need to look at it as a whole, not just simply looking at it from a short game perspective or a long game perspective. You need to test that ball with, with, you know, at least one of your long clubs, you need to test it with a mid iron. You need to test it with a wedge, test it around the green, which then makes me wonder if Tiger's switching to a ball that's prioritizing distance. I wonder if he changes driver shafts. I mean, he was, he was yeah. using Fujikura, the, the Ventus black, which is a really beefy shaft. So I, I don't know if he, I don't know where he could go, but it does make me wonder if he's going to the X ball, does he consider a change does he go back to something that he's played previously? Does he try a different shaft? That's another story that I think we're going to be watching. But at least for right now, we can confirm that Tiger is going to be playing the X ball instead of the XS from Bridgestone. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it
1: it's it's because it's fast. It's Tiger, right? You want to, We want to know why. It's the to me. It's always the why. I don't care that he switches, but I want to know why he switches. Because to me, it's like, what does the feedback mean? And just like when any player switches. They're switching because it's new. They're switching because it's better. But why? Like, what is the why behind it? And I think, you know, for, for Bridgestone to share what they did with us, which is really cool, is, uh, you know, something to watch for. Because, I mean, you know, they always have the ball speed thing when they're hitting drivers, right? They got the, the launch monitors behind everybody. So to see where he's sitting at is always going to be, like, the fun one to watch during the match. Because you know they're going to have all those graphic packages. Hopefully. Oh, for sure. For sure they will. So I
0: have a funny little gear story before we get into your old bag setup that you've been building. So I asked Bridgestone. I said, all right. This is a really nerdy gear question, but I got to ask: What happens if you've got a whole bunch of excess balls with Tiger's stamp on it? Because you know they stamp Tiger's name on the side of his golf ball. I said, "Do you already have Bridgestone Tour BX balls with the, with Tiger's name on it?" And they uh, they kind of chuckled and they said, "Actually." We're trying to work that out right now because we're we're in a situation where we don't know if we can we we can get him golf balls with his stamp on the side in the number one, because he plays, he does the play stamp, the one play stamp on there. We don't know if we can get him those balls in time by Saturday. So that'll be a fun one. He's gonna be playing the tour B, but it may just be the retail ball without his name on it. But again, for everybody that's listening to this pod, I'm sure that's a story that you find interesting. But yeah, they're they're actively working on trying to get Tiger his golf ball with his name on the side for the match. I feel like they might be able to pull that off. I think they would be too. I think so too. I don't think it would be all that difficult, but you never know. All right. So we did mention at the top of the pod, RB is building an old setup. I got to know, man, what, what was the impetus behind doing this? Like all of a sudden I started seeing you post pictures of classic 90s gear. And that was my first question. I figured we would touch on it on the pod.
1: But what what got you going down this rabbit hole? So I've done this a lot in the past, and I have retro gear. Like that's the thing. Like I've got so many sets of old Mizuno irons. I shared a post recently. Like I've got dating back. I think the oldest ones I have are MP14s. So I guess pre two thousand, basically. Um, but I was listening to, and so like again, I've got old Wilson blades that are like probably from the uh, 70s, I think too. So there's lots, there's lots kicking around there. Uh, but I was listening to uh, the fried egg and it was a, it was a, a podcast with, they were talking about like, you know, sets from different eras. And I was like, I've got most of these clubs. <laughs> like, the, But the one that I don't have is like the high school bag. So I thought to myself, okay, let's do this again. Let's, let's build the high school bag that I actually had or the had the ones that I wanted. And to like, to be really, I'll, I'll tell this story real as quickly as possible because, you know, I, we'll get to like the whole gear. But when I was a kid, I was like 14 years old and I wanted Ping I3s because I saw it in a golf magazine and I thought, okay, that was the ad. There was no internet. I've said this before. Like you couldn't just readily go online and get all kinds of information. It was in golf magazines. So there was this ad for Ping I3 irons, Blade and OS irons. Not knowing that there was this whole swath of irons before the I3s, I just assumed that the I twos were the previous model, not knowing that they were out in like the 80s. So I bought i twos. I bought used ones that were like way too upright. Didn't someone told me like you should get these checked, you're just pulling the heck out of everything. Went to ping headquarters in Canada, which I was not like that far away from, to be honest. Um, and they bent all my irons like to orange dot, which is two degrees flat. They were one, so my irons are three degrees off from lie angle spec. I'm like a you know 12, 15 handicap at the time. Blew my mind, blew my mind that like a line angle thing could change my game that quickly. And that's like ping irons is part of the reason why I'm doing this and talking to you right now, because I got hooked on like, holy crap, you can change your equipment and like make this big difference. Right. So long story short, I always wanted the i3s, but I could never, I never wanted to get them by the time I could get them. I was on to like S59s and a whole bunch of other stuff that I did end up playing. So I'm thinking, let's find this set of golf clubs. So I'm, I'm browsing, and I actually sent you a set of PM731s, the lefties. That was um, dangerous because I from almost the same hit set. I'm like, oh, come on, buy. you can buy them too. Do it. Do it. You keep <laughs> talking about it. Just buy them. You're an enabler. Um, I know. I am. I'm a terrible enabler. I, I was sending pictures of Tech woods to my friends because he's like, oh, I wonder one classic. of these. And I said, so that's what I bought. So my set right now consists of. I have a titleist 983 E driver, which is the deep one. Everyone talks about the K. Oh, I love but the, the E face was on that the one, one that like Davis Love played because he's like a low spin cutter on the golf ball. Um, so for me, I always loved the profile of the E better. So I got an E, and then of course I bought a second one, which is with a different loft in it. Uh, I had to reshaft one of the drivers already. Which I had, which, lucky for me; I had one kicking around. First time I'd done a bore through in probably like a decade, but you know, skills are there. It wasn't that much of a problem. Um, and then I bought two SS 2 Tech Furrywoods. If you look at the SS line, there is the, the O2 is kind of like a mid profile. The three was like, or the seven was the deep one. That was like the Nick price. The NP 99 was the, was the one anything with a 0.5 was a shallower version of the standard model. So, and they had like all these different ones in the cadence that they were released. They're like brand new, still the original grips and shafts on them. So The uh, I got a 14 degree and an 18 degree at the Sonor Tech SSO2. Someone must have traded them in like from where I bought them at the same time because they're literally in the same condition. It's unbelievable. And then the irons that I bought originally were I3 Blade Pluses, and then I found another set of the blades. I thought, ah, screw it, just buy the other ones too. So uh, right now I've got the whole top end of my bag from like that I wanted when I was like 15 years old. The set that I still need to find would be a set of i2 plus no plus um, orange dot irons or i could get them bent i'd rather just buy the ones that were already at there uh, which were like a, a limited run of before they actually called them the i2 pluses but they had scalped the soles and all this stuff so that's what i really like to find but uh 15 year old me is super pumped right now 15 year old me is super jealous of me that i finally got all these clubs in the bag the only thing the last but not least thing i gotta find is like one of the two strap l8 bags the one that like, that was the game bird bag, right? Like I had a titleist bag. Say, I yeah, did have a hoopers. I had a Hoover two. I had a Hoover three. Um, but you know, the, you need the LA, you need the four way LA with the big round thing and the ping on the side of it. That's the, that's, I don't want a new one. I want an old, one. I want one. I as long it. as it doesn't gonna, like, I'm going to try and find one. I just don't want to find one out of someone's garage. that just like yeah. reeks like that's cigarettes so you got, and you dog gotta, pee. You keep looking. Yeah. <laughs> now are you going to test it
0: against your current setup?
1: i'll hit them oh yeah for sure like yeah. that i mean that's that to me is like the most fun i and i've also oh i totally forgot um what is it the 906 f2 f2 and f4s there we go which were the rory fairy I had, yeah i have to say i had those. rory they were as so someone good. as a i know i i know i'm not like a big language guy in here but like rory used to hit the freaking piss out of those things and okay. i wanted them so bad and i did own them i had like i had them with vs proto shaft from Aldilla. Um, I'm still in the process of like getting more of them because I like, they don't have shit. They get, I don't, don't want to reshaft all these, these woods. So I'm trying to find the ones that have the shafts in them. But I got one with an S. I got a 13 degree 906 F2 with an S300 in it right now. So I'm very excited to put that up against a modern fairwood because I feel like the modern one, because I do have the TSR 2 plus is going to literally kick the crap out of this thing. But I don't care because I want to see how it compares because I'm probably going to use one of those either way. Yeah, you, you gotta so we'll we'll do a follow up once you
0: get a proper testing session with everything, see how it stacks up against your current setup. But I'm just excited that you're even going down this road, building an old bag setup. You know, I see golfers sometimes building like an old driver they used to have, but the fact that you're going through and you're being really purposeful and you're getting clubs that you either had or really wanted over the years and even going all the way to the bag, I just love that you're building this setup. So here's the story excited. for you.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you a real quick one. So I got a set of MP37s. I bought them off somebody online um, who like brought the we like we met in lot. We met, I bought them online off him. I had them for a couple of years and I stupidly sold them. I'm on a local yeah. buy and sell five, six years later. This set of MP37s pops up. They're not an overly <laughs> popular iron, but so like from Azume, most people think of like the 33s or the 32s. These irons pop up, and I'm like, those are the same ferals I had. So I messaged the guy. and I'm like, I'll buy them off you. I said, I'll buy them right now. Like sight unseen. I wish I never sold them. I'll buy them off you. We meet up. He's like, wait, we met before. I said, I, did I sell you these like five years ago? And he's like, yeah, I think you did. He put them in his basement. He never used them. He was like, I was scared to hit them. He never played them. So I donated to him my irons. He held on to them for five years. I made money because I bought them off him less than I sold them to him for. So I made money selling the same set, getting my own irons back for 50 bucks for oh, five years. And they were in the same awesome condition. So, you know, <laughs> the, the used world of golf clubs out there is a wild and wacky place, but that is my, oh, that's one of my favorite, wow. like favorite stories. And I, re, I rebuilt them anyways, but it was a, it was a fun one. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's call
0: it. That'll do it for episode. I don't even know what episode this is again. I'm, rolling I'm running, on, running on fumes, man. But as always, if you want gear news, check us out on social media. We are at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at fully equipped golf on Instagram. Thanks to all us for listening. We'll have the whole crew next week. And some gear giveaways. Check out social media for this. <laughs>